Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of The Sea Report with myself, your host, one Mr. C. And I hope everyone is doing well today on this, uh, what are we today? It seems we are here at the 1st of December, 2021. So most definitely welcome, welcome, welcome everyone to the final, uh, the final stretch, the final countdown, as they say. Uh, but yes, there we go. It's just a month. It's just, what, 31 days. Okay, 31 days and a holiday is what we got going on. All right. And uh, today is also Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen. So welcome to the center of your five-day week today, right? I'm looking at the right days, aren't I? Wednesday, yes, it is. Very well, very good. We hope everyone is having a great, great Wednesday. And uh, we are here over at the Sea Report. If you are watching us, we are live tonight on multiple platforms. We're coming to you guys from Twitch, the Foxhole Pill.net, DLive Trovo, Clout Hub, and also YouTube. Uh, and uh, make sure you visit us over at thecereport.com. That is thecereport.com, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, and uh, check out our podcast also at anchor.fm slash the sea report. That is anchor.fm slash the sea report. You can listen to our podcast on any major um, podcasting platform. Subscribe for free, and uh, you can always have us on the go. All right, there we go. Housekeeping out of the way. Uh, we had um, an episode of Live Digs on yesterday. If any of you guys got a chance to catch that one, make sure you check out the replay live on all platforms uh, for yesterday's Sea uh, Report Live Digs. So that was only the second episode, the second installment of that uh, type of a show. And uh, it was a pretty good one, too. We did leave off on a cliffhanger there, right? And uh, we're definitely going to get back to... Uh, the next episode, part three, uh, probably a bit sooner than, man, I, I hesitated going live with that earlier today, actually, but who knows when the next episode will pop up. Could be a good one. Could be a good one. We had a couple of new secretaries of snakes to look at, but uh, either way, it should be fun. So definitely check that out when you have a chance. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, let's see what we got here for you now. Uh, we have a couple of uh, President Trump statements. Uh, let's see, who are our stories brought to us by today? It seems that uh, we have stories brought to you by Just the News, NBC News, ABC News. Oh, Lordy, two whoppers of uh, mainstream, lamestream, fake news, legacy media outlets. The Detroit Free Press, the AP the Business Insider, New York Post, and Breitbart. And uh, we have a lot going on today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the stories being brought up by uh, President Trump's statements. One of us will take us to the city of Wisconsin. Uh, the city, the state of Wisconsin, pardon me. Uh, where we uh, see um, election fraud, election fraud, election fraud. Well, I mean, it's pretty much admitted over there, ladies and gentlemen. It's pretty much, uh, yeah, justice is being served. But we'll take a look at that real quick. Uh, we'll also be talking Ghislaine Maxwell tonight and her trial as that unfolds in the um, the newspapers, really. 
is uh yeah i mean you'll catch your news report about it but you're going to get your sketch you're going to get your sketch of Ghislaine maxwell and uh you're going to get a few words about the trial it seems to me like that trial might be moving pretty fast now six weeks and i think they're already uh questioning uh the victims or the uh, accusers depending on what side of the line you sit i guess you could say in that regard they're already being uh questioned so we got four of them there for this trial we'll talk a little bit about that we'll do a little bit of an update on justice for juicy trial 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 time it is trial time ladies and gentlemen trial time good evening thumper rose hello how are you doing out over there in the chat room good to see you tonight let's dig in to these um statements from president trump we'll start with this one now this one is uh actually an in case you missed it moment with a president trump statement uh, uh team up here in case you missed it Narrative of a perfect 2020 election eroding as Wisconsin becomes investigative ground zero. Ladies and gentlemen, read the full article by John Solomon with just the news. Okay, so let's see here. And that is exactly what we're going to do. We're going to head over to just the news's website. They use a lot of power to power their website, so uh, it'll eventually uh, appear on the screen. For those of you over at the podcast, we are looking at a black screen. Ah, with a message that just popped up. There we go. I knew it. it's this video right here. Okay. All right, podcasters, you're going to have to uh, check out the live stream to see what we're talking about sometime if you're curious. And then, of course, those of you over at the podcast, I mean, at the uh, live stream, thank you for joining us. Okay, so just the news. Narrative of a perfect 2020 election eroding as Wisconsin becomes investigative ground zero evidence grows of election mismanagement. Of course, we can't let them get away with mismanagement, right, ladies and gentlemen? illegal acts, and some fraud in several states. So again, here we see the narrative of election fraud is not going away. What are they going to do? It's not going away, ladies and gentlemen. It just keeps rearing its head across every... This is, uh, let's see here. This is October 29th, 2021. Okay. So as you can see, this is not even the latest... But the reference here, ladies and gentlemen, is very important to note. Let us finish here. It says, cognitively impaired nursing home residents in Wisconsin. You guys remember the story, right? Okay. We have uh, the uh, Wisconsin Election Committee giving the rules to allow nursing home staff to uh, take down the vote for all of the ballots that they mailed to them without even a request made to their office. And now uh, five members of the election commission have been found guilty, or they've been charged at least. And the police are looking into it, but okay, so this is the uh, article being referenced. 50,000 questionable ballots in Arizona 
plus several criminal cases for illegal ballot harvesting and inmate voting. Okay. Unlawful election instructions in Wisconsin. All right. Well, way to tie those two things together. <laughs> Just the news. Uh, let's see. Here. 11 months after Donald Trump was ousted from office, the narrative that the 2020 election was clean and secure has frayed like a well-worn shoelace. Great analogies. Coming from one John Solomon. Okay, so let's see here. What are they talking about? Racine County Sheriff Christopher Schmeling said his investigation has secured evidence that eight out of 42 residents at local nursing homes had been recorded as casting ballots that their family said was not possible because the residents didn't possess the cognitive ability to vote. The probe was prompted by one family who discovered their loved one had voted in the November 2020 election despite having died a month earlier after a long period of mental decline, authorities said. Schmeling dramatically accused the Wisconsin Elections Commission, the state's election bureaucracy, of creating the conditions for such voting by mailing absentee ballots to nursing home residents who did not request them and empowering nursing home staff to fill out ballots on behalf of those residents. Racine County Sheriff Christopher Schmeling said his investigation, ha, investigators have secured evidence that eight out of 42 at local nursing home had been recorded as casting absentee ballots that their family said were not possible. So very interesting article here, guys. There is a full report also and uh, it goes into uh, exactly how strongly, you know, the uh, authorities in Wisconsin believe that this was outright fraud. Okay. So very, very interesting uh, that they found this aspect. You know, we have all of the other evidence of election fraud that took place in Wisconsin. You guys remember the story about the, uh, it was something like 20, 26,000 phone numbers or 26,000 uh, applicants, registrants had the same phone number. <laughs> you know, that one was uh, reported quite some time ago, uh, recently surfaced in the news again. So uh, little, little examples like that, the voter rolls, you know, having dead voters on it, all that stuff. But um, in order to see any type of perp walk, in order for justice to be served, in order for, uh, you know, um, the law to eventually be uh, brought in and acknowledged and, uh, you know, some type of exhibit uh, to the people, you know, being shown about election integrity being, uh, you know, honored and held steadfast. Uh, this is where we find that reprieve. This is where we find that relief. You know, we see people actually being held accountable. And this is uh, by way of uh, by way of them basically skirting, you know, Wisconsin state law, rewriting the state law themselves uh, and then um, acting on it, you know, acting on their own uh, on their own advice, you know, from this uh, most uh, sour and poisoned Kool-Aid that they have created, ladies and gentlemen, they drink their Kool-Aid and then they get caught by the law when they say, oh, look, we have actual, 
actual workable evidence, you know, where we have uh, elderly people in nursing homes who are not capable of voting themselves, one of them dead, in, 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 uh, with all due respect, but one of them dead in this case, right? And uh, yeah, ladies and gentlemen, the police officers, they acted on it. Okay, something that uh, they did an investigation, okay, and they acted on it. Justice was served. But we're not seeing that in the case of Arizona. Do we need to uh, turn the waterworks on for Arizona again, ladies? <laughs> I mean, come on, Mr. Vernovich. Oh, what is going on here, sir? What is going on here? Uh, so with this here, because this happened in uh, like one in Racine. This happened in Racine, Wisconsin, okay. So if this happened throughout the entire state, can you imagine that they sent out this notice to nursing homes and rehabilitation centers, giving them this uh, state-held authority, right? This is not the people of uh, Wisconsin voting on this measure. This is not going through the legislature. This is going uh, from uh, the head of a, you know, a county or state commission, feeling like they have the ability to change their election law willy-nilly, right, to suit their needs. No, you can't do it. Sorry, Wisconsin, Wisconsin Election Commission, you basic and you failed. Okay, so I see uh, we got a few more people who've just joined on in. Good, uh, good evening, person. Good evening, Xena. Good evening, 123SKG. Thank you for gifting the can. Punk Q Booster, Punky Custer, and the Joyful Lily. Good evening. Hope y'all are doing well tonight. Uh, okay, so there we go. That was an in-case-you-missed-it moment from President Trump. Again, the narrative of a perfect 2020 election eroding. They could very well uh, decertify Wisconsin. At this rate, they're going to decertify Wisconsin and Georgia before they decertify Arizona. Jeez Louise, Bernovich. Okay, <laughs> what is up? All right. Next statement, a la President Trump. Hey, hey, Trump. Hey, President Trump. Let's see what we got. Boo. Uh, great news for television viewers. They have just suspended Chris Cuomo indefinitely. The big question is, was it because of his horrendous ratings, which in all, uh, all fairness have uh, permeated CNN and, uh, MSDNC, or was it because his brother is no longer governor? Probably both. In any event, Fredo is gone. All right. So, uh, cause for celebration, ladies and gentlemen. Now, we won't have to look at any of these Cuomos anymore. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Take one last look, ladies and gentlemen. Take one last look. Goodbye, Cuomo. <laughs> All right. I ain't sorry I didn't know ya. <laughs> okay. So what's the deal with Cuomo? Uh, he was suspended, of course, obviously. Um, uh, he be gone now. He be gone. And, uh, well, Let's see. Let's see. Because according to this, this is an ABC. You know, this is a uh, this is a measured um, challengers uh, propaganda journal here. Okay, so yeah, someone who's marked 
All right, let's see here. What are we doing? Oh yeah, I got to expand it. My bad guys, here we go. So Chris Cuomo calls his suspension from CNN embarrassing. The last thing I ever wanted to do was compromise any of my colleagues. Compromise any of his colleagues. The Cuomo primetime host said on some sort of uh, radio show. Uh, CNN host Chris Cuomo. Let me see if I can expand this. You guys know I like to, to keep it as expansive as possible. There we go. <laughs> Much better. Uh, CNN host Chris Cuomo said that he never meant to compromise any colleagues by advising his brother and called his suspension from the network embarrassing. Oh, so it finally comes out now, huh? He addressed his indefinite suspension Wednesday on some show. Um, let's see, he says here, oh, well, I don't know if we want to listen to it. That's probably a commercial. Dignity. We don't want to talk about dignity. We're talking about Chris Cuomo. Okay. <laughs> how, uh, how on earth can those two topics go hand in hand? They don't, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they don't. Okay. All right. Just let you know. Okay. Oh, here we go. All right. It says, uh, hey, everybody, it's Chris Cuomo. Let's get after it. Quick note about the obvious. I've been suspended from CNN. You know this already. It hurts to even say it. Ah, it seems that the Communist News Network is falling apart. It says, uh, I understand why some people feel the way they do about what I did. I've apologized in the past. I mean it. Blah, 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 says Chris Cuomo. Uh, yeah. Uh, can't say that we're, uh, sorry to see you go, buddy. Can't say that this is a dark moment in the history of media and propaganda. Maybe in the history of propaganda, this is a dark moment. I could see that as being a, quite the possibility. CNN on Tuesday suspended him after an investigation by the New York Attorney General showed in more detail how he helped his brother, the former governor, defend himself against sexual misconduct allegations. Uh, Letitia James, Attorney General, raised serious questions about Chris Cuomo's conduct, the network said in a statement earlier this week. So I, another thing that I find interesting, actually, of all of this uh, drama that's happening with the Cuomo's and uh, the other, you know, uh, people of New York. Uh, I, I use that word loosely when I say people. You know, I'm talking about all of the, uh, you know, uh, uh, communist sympathizers and socialist sympathizers, the progressives, you know, out there. The way they just uh, eat their own, right? You know, like Letitia James, man, she just ate the hell out of the Cuomo family. She just uh, absolutely totally tore into that family, tore a couple of new ones for every single member, it seems. Man, Letitia, you are savage, girl, and we're not even a fan of yours around here, okay, Letitia James? All right? But yeah. All right, guys, time for that topic du jour. Yeah, because everyone wants to know what's going on with um, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell trial, uh, real quick in the, um, chat rooms, Rail and on, good evening, and thank you so much for donating, uh, multiple gold pills over there at, uh, foxhole.app, I appreciate it, buddy, 
Uh, thank you so much. Good, uh, good evening to everyone else in the chat room. Hello, Texan. One, two, three, SKG. I believe I said hello, Punky Custa. Looking out with them eyes over there. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about Ghislaine Maxwell, ladies and gentlemen, because after all, her trial is going on, and I thought we would do right, you know, by the audience, okay? And because, uh, uh, you know, we were making fun yesterday yeah, about how the Maxwell trial is going on, and we're just not talking about it. And we need to ensure that this is covered at least at some length, you know, ladies and gentlemen, because, I mean, after all, it is the trial of the century. Absolutely. And, uh, well, okay, it's the trial uh, biggest this side of the millennia. How about that? Okay. Uh, a lot of people, including uh, people like myself, are calling this the Jeffrey Epstein proxy trial. Um, you know, that kind of language, though, could only help to serve her defense uh, as they're trying to say that the court of public opinion has already been um, formulated against her and that she is destined to lose no matter what. Uh, this trial, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, quite interesting, isn't it? Okay, so, but what has been going on? Because, of course, we don't have, uh, we don't have any, uh, visual aid in there. We don't have this being recorded for television. We don't have audio available. Uh, so we do have, however, ladies and gentlemen, several articles that can most definitely, uh, key us into what is going on over there. Now, today is Wednesday, so this would be, what, day three. However, I think technically it's being seen kind of more as like of a day two. Because Monday they were still finishing up jury selection for the trial. Uh, let's see, this one here is coming out of ABC News. Now, they have four accusers or four victims, uh, depending on what side of the line you sit or if you're just a student of law and justice, I guess you would say accusers. Uh, but uh, they have four of them. Um, it says here in this article three, but I read somewhere there was four of them. And so uh, one of the first ones actually went up to uh, testify today. Uh, so let's see what this article has to say about it. I will expand it here for you. Now, this is what your everyday American is uh, seeing, ladies and gentlemen. This is ABC News, right? So this is what your dull-minded American is. Uh, this is where they're getting their news from. If they're, if they're even slightly cued into, you know, uh, caring about current events, this is one of the venues, so, so, so you can see what they're reading, you know, ladies and gentlemen. Ghislaine Maxwell accuser Jane testifies on day two of trial. Jane is one of three. Okay, yeah, one, uh, one of three alleged minor victims detailed in a federal indictment. Okay, so this says here, Ghislaine Maxwell, a longtime associate of serial sex offender, Jeffrey Epstein came face to face with her first accuser in Manhattan federal court on Tuesday. A woman prosecutor, uh, woman prosecutors have referred to as Jane, one of the three alleged minor victims whose allegations against Jeffrey Epstein's longtime associate Ghislaine Maxwell are detailed in a federal te uh, indictment testified on the second day of her trial, telling her story publicly for the first time. As you can see, this is one of the sketches of Ghislaine Maxwell. That's right. There you go. Because they don't have cameras in there, you get to see her in pastel. Okay. All right. Ghislaine Maxwell. All right. There you go, ladies and gentlemen. In case you wonder what she looked like, 
That's what she looks like nowadays. She told the jury that she met Maxwell and Epstein while attending summer camp at the Interlochen, Interlochen Center for the Arts in Michigan. The beginning of what prosecutors earlier called a nightmare that would last for years. After returning home to Palm Beach, Florida, Jane said she began visiting Epstein at his seaside mansion, where she testified that she had her first sexual encounter with Epstein in 1994, when she was just 14. According to Jane, Epstein abruptly took her to his pool house, pulled down his pants, and proceeded to masturbate on her, while she remained frozen in fear. The abuse escalated to include explicit massages. Jane said during subsequent visits to Epstein's house, and, uh, and she identified Maxwell as the person uh, other than Epstein most often in the room. Maxwell contributed, she alleged, by leading to a massage table and showing me how Jeffrey likes to be massaged. Okay. This is the courthouse. Mm. We're seeing that in the photo, podcasters. Maxwell faces a six-count indictment for allegedly conspiring with and aiding Epstein in his sexual abuse of underage girls between 1994 and 2004. She had been held without bail since her arrest in July 2020 and has pleaded not guilty to the charges. Over the next several years, Jane said she traveled with Epstein and Maxwell maybe 10 times, sometimes on Epstein's private plane and uh, residence and his New Mexico ranch. Oh, sorry. And sometimes on commercial flights. I apologize. She visited both Epstein's New York residence and his New Mexico ranch, she said, where she suffered further sexual abuse by Epstein. It was Maxwell, she said, who typically arranged for her travel. There is a photo, ladies and gentlemen, of course, of Epstein with the uh, British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell, right? Uh, earlier in the day, Epstein's former pilot Larry Visosky testified that he met Jane in the cockpit of Epstein's plane, though he later acknowledged he did not know how old she was at the time and could not recall whether she had actually taken a flight. Jane also described frequent orgies with Epstein and other women, the details of which she said are hard to remember because they started to seem the same and she became numb to it. So you only got to describe them once. Because uh, it seems like once was enough. She never told anyone about her experience, she said, until many years later. How do you tell or describe any of this, she asked, when all you feel is shame and disgust and confusion and you don't know how you ended up here. It is clear, it is unclear whether Maxwell will take the stand during her trial, which is expected to last six weeks. If convicted, she could spend decades in prison. Ladies and gentlemen, Okay, so that's a quick catch-up. So uh, we had uh, one of the victims testify. We had one of the uh, pilots testify, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that, that all is what uh, we are now. But we're not done yet, though, ladies and gentlemen, with um, uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. So just hang tight, ladies and gentlemen. What shenanigans are going on in the chat room, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't mind my checking real quick. 
Belushi, good evening, friend. Thank you for gifting. Ah, Belushi threw the cookie bag at me, it seems. Thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate that. You and Railalon, ah, oh, you guys got into a cookie fight. I see what's going on here. Uh, the cleaning crew will be necessary. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Railalon and Belushi tossing their cookies over in... Uh, <laughs> over in the build and uh the foxhole chat rooms you guys thank you so much i appreciate you much love <laughs> for that uh that i just you know i can't tell you how grateful i am when you guys fill my cookie jar thank you relanon belushi that was most uh most appreciated <laughs> okay so let's continue with the Ghislaine maxwell trial guys we're not done yet we're gonna make sure we stay on top of this we ignored it for the first two days of the week okay <laughs> Okay, so uh, this comes from the Detroit Free Press. And what are they talking about here with Ghislaine, 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 Ghislaine? First accuser takes stand at Ghislaine Maxwell trial. We know this. Uh, testifies Maxwell was often present during uh, abuse. Okay, so, you know, we got a little flavoring of this before. We're just gonna, you know... We're just going to uh, roll it on top of everyone one more time. <laughs> Let's get it seared into our memories, guys. What was going on? Okay, so see, I told you it says the first of four women described as key accusers in the indictment against British socialite Ghislaine Maxwell testified. Okay, so now this was the when it is. This is the one that said she did it when they were 14. Now, don't forget, we have uh, some of the other accusers who were like, you know, like around 17, okay? And uh, apparently in the United Kingdom and in other places, 17 is, uh, you know, it's it's uh, game on, basically. <laughs> but this one, 14 years old. So I think that's a, a key difference when we're talking about the victims and slash or accusers that we're seeing here. Prosecutors went to the heart of their... Uh, sex trafficking case against Maxwell with their second witness, a woman in her early 40s who was introduced to jurors as Jane, a pseudonym she said she prefers in part to protect a 22-year acting career. So this person might actually be someone uh, that we see or don't see, uh, but someone who's definitely in the public eye. Uh, and then so it talks about their sexual encounters. We won't read about that again. Here's another... Uh, sketch. This is all that we get, ladies and gentlemen. Here is uh, Judge Anthony Nielsen. Uh, our, what's, what's her name again? Sorry, my bad. Allison Neal. No, Allison Nathan. Nathan Allison. Allison Nathan. Okay. Here is uh, Jane. And then uh, here's a, you know, little flat screen. And uh, that is whoever that is. All right. So moving right along. Since we don't get, since we don't get video, that's what you get. She also largely avoided looking at Maxwell, except when she pointed an index finger when she was asked to identify her. Maxwell maintained a steady gaze in the witness's direction, occasionally writing notes that she passed to lawyers. Okay, so we get the play-by-play. -play. Some jurors leaned forward to hear the witness while occasionally glancing at Maxwell. The witness testimony was offered by prosecutors to support their claims that Maxwell recruited and groomed girls for Epstein to sexually abuse from 1994 to at least 2004. The witness first met Epstein and Maxwell in 1994 when she was attending a music camp in pursuit of a singing career, she said. She said she was eating ice cream with friends when Maxwell approached with a Yorkshire Terrier. They always use the dogs. 
um, drawing their attention. After her friends left, she spoke with Epstein, who had uh, then arrived and introduced himself as a donor. They discovered that they both lived in Palm Beach, Florida, she said. The woman and her mother soon received an invitation to Epstein's home, and although her mother was not included in subsequent invites, she remained very impressed and enamored with the wealth, the affluence, and believed Maxwell and Epstein must really think her daughter was special, the woman testified. Soon, Epstein and Maxwell were taking her shopping for clothes, including underwear from Victoria's Secret, and asking about her life after her father's sudden death in a way that didn't happen at home, where soul-searching conversations never occurred, she said. The cycle of abuse started when Epstein abruptly took her by hand one day and said, follow me, and, uh, well, we'll go ahead and uh, just stop there. Okay, here's another photo. There you go. <laughs> There's Maxwell herself, although you wouldn't know it. You think that the artist would draw her at least. 10 years younger, ladies and gentlemen, right? Okay. So uh, anyways, that, that's just a little bit more, another, another perspective, so to speak, from another outlet. Um, otherwise, the Detroit Free Press, uh, coming from the AP, no doubt, I'm sure, just as, just as. Uh, let's see, earlier Tuesday, a former pilot for Epstein testified that he never saw evidence of sexual activity, etc. So yeah, basically the same thing here, guys. There you go. There is the man himself. They call, uh, did not hang himself, right? <laughs> did not kill himself, Epstein. What is going on? Did not kill himself, Epstein. <laughs> All right, guys. So there is that as we, uh, play catch up with good old Ghislaine, 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 Ghislaine. Are we done yet? Not by a long shot, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see here. Uh, another article from the AP and another photo. Look at this. There is Judge Anthony. Uh, wait, sorry. I keep saying Allison Nathan. <laughs> Judge Nathan Allison. Okay. Uh, there is Jane again seen in this photo. Now, uh, this uh, article in particular tells us how exactly the uh, defense is trying to... Um, Destroy the credibility of Jane, the uh, witness here, trying to destroy her credibility. Let's see, do I have multiple pictures? Oh, there's just two. Okay, well, that didn't quite work out the way I wanted it to. Okay, all right. Sorry, y'all. And then those of us, uh, those of you on the podcast, well, you just got to see the live stream sometime. Let's see what this article says. Uh, it saith... Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell's defense attorneys sought Wednesday to undermine a key accuser's allegations that the British socialite helped financier Jeffrey Epstein especially, uh, sexually abuse the woman, woman for years, starting when she was 14. Okay, so we got that. Um, let's see here. During a methodical cross-examination, defense attorney Laura Menninger confronted the woman with FBI documents from 2019 and 2020 saying she had told the government her money memory was foggy on whether Maxwell was present when Epstein molested her and on whether she ever touched her. Other documents claimed she said that no abuse occurred during a visit to Epstein's ranch in New Mexico that contradicted her testimony about alleged encounters with him. 
that there, she said, made my heart sink into my stomach. Okay, so this is the defense, right? They're trying to destroy her credibility. They're saying, well, uh, you know, you uh, did a deposition not long ago. Uh, well, you did a deposition before. Uh, we go back to 2019. We go back to all these other times. And uh, you said your memory's foggy about whether Ghislaine Maxwell was there or not. You say that you don't even know if you were sexually abused. So uh, this is what they're pulling out of their butts against this Jane person. Uh, she does indeed have a response to this, guys. It's not like, uh, you know, they caught her. Uh, dirty tricks is kind of what comes to mind, you know. It says the witness denied ever changing her story. She challenged the accuracy of the document, saying her statements were never recorded. She says, this was just someone jotting down notes. A lot of these are not correct, she said. At one point, she, she responded, I don't recall saying what's written here. She did not dispute other documents, saying she had named several model types and other women. She said witnessed participating in group massages with Epstein. She also confirmed telling the FBI she once flew on a private jet with Britain's Prince Andrew. Maxwell, 59, has pleaded not guilty to the charges that prosecutors say show that she and Epstein were partners in crime. The defense has counted by, uh, countered by claiming she's being made a scapegoat for 66-year-old uh, Epstein, who supposedly killed himself in Manhattan jail cell in 2019 as he awaited his own sex trafficking trial. So it sounds like dirty tricks here, really. I mean, it sounds like the defense is pulling out you know, uh, notes from a previous uh, investigation or, you know, interrogation, uh, a deposition, whatever. And uh, she's saying, Jane is saying that they're not even the right notes, you know, that, you know, so it really, it, it could just be that. they Are they faking notes here? Did they take the right notes back in, uh, you know, uh, whenever they did this original interrogation, you know? Or um, is she really off her rocker? Ladies and gentlemen, does she have credibility? That is the question they're trying to find out. Let's uh, see how this uh, article rounds out everything. On Tuesday, the, the accuser described numerous sexual encounters with Maxwell and Epstein that began in 1994 and continued through 1997. When recounting the first time she was abused by Epstein, she said she was frozen in fear. Here's one that we didn't get from last time. Another time, she said she was taken to a massage room where he and Maxwell both took advantage of her. Other encounters involved sex toys or turned into oral sex orgies with other young women. And Maxwell, she added, uh, let's see, Sierra, on, on cross-examination, the defense also attacked the witness's credibility by asking why she waited over 20 years. So these are just like very uh, middle-of-the-road, uh, garden-variety types of gotchas. You know, you know, why did you wait 20 years? You know, uh, do you even remember what happened that night? You know, like that's uh, they're just basically asking her dumb questions. You know, uh, it's kind of the way it sounds like to me. Um, but she is one of four that will be testifying. Again, there's your uh, photo du jour of today's proceedings. All right. That's all you, that's all we get, ladies and gentlemen. We don't get anything else. But we're not done yet, ladies and gentlemen. 
we have some more Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein news for you tonight. As it seems that uh, the FAA accidentally discloses more than 2,000 flight records associated with Jeffrey Epstein's private flights. So one has to wonder now with this new data, you know, uh, popping up, ladies and gentlemen, accidentally being released. Now talk about an accident, a divine accident, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we couldn't ask for anything. How is this going to affect the Ghislaine Maxwell trial? One has to wonder because the information that's disclosed here, while it might not be specific, what it shows, ladies and gentlemen, is that of all of the flight records that they had in regards to Jeffrey Epstein and his personal jets and his commercial flights, when the FAA accidentally released this data, they revealed an additional 708 flights that had not been recorded until this time ladies and gentlemen and if between the years of 1994 and 2004 2012 jeffrey epstein took uh 708 additional flights one has to wonder what was he doing where was he flying to that uh 708 flights exist that uh nobody in the world knew about until uh this article hit the stands uh this article comes from the business insider now keep in mind uh the flight logs for these articles uh do show at least that uh galane maxwell was present on a lot of these flights the FAA accidentally discloses. All right, there is the man himself. This was published uh, November 29th. So it is pretty, pretty fresh, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the Business Insider requested all flight history data associated with four planes owned by Jeffrey Epstein. That's how this story begins. Uh, the FAA requested, uh, rejected the request. So the Business Insider sends a request. The FAA rejects the request, but later provides the records in response to an unrelated request. So they reject the request and then they accidentally uh, send the request records over. The new FAA records include hundreds of previously unknown flights made by Epstein's jets. They corroborate insiders reporting on Epstein's travel patterns as documented in court records, 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 in court, <laughs> I feel like uh, that idiot, Zach Galifianakis, um, all court records, uh, as documented in court records and flight signal data. A searchable database now contains 2,618 flights made by Epstein's private jets, from 1995 to July 6, 2019. So a searchable database now contains 2,618 flights made by Epstein, 95 to 2019. Keep in mind, there are 708, if I'm not mistaken, 708 of those flights were once accounted for, or not accounted for. Ladies and gentlemen, let's see what the article has to say. In January 2020, Insider asked the Federal Aviation Administration for all the agency's flight records, including departure and arrival data associated with a fleet of private jets owned by Jeffrey Epstein. 
Filed under the Freedom of Information Act, our request seemed to have a decent change of success. The agency in 2011 released its entire database of U.S.-based flights to the Wall Street Journal. In March 2020, however, the FAA denied our request, saying that the uh, responsive records originate from an investigative file and were therefore exempt from disclosure. The agency cited Exemption 7A, which Congress designed to shield records that were compiled for law enforcement and could reasonably be expected to interfere with enforcement proceedings. The FAA did not specify which enforcement proceedings the records might interfere with. Ghislaine Maxwell, Epstein's ex-girlfriend and confidant, faces a trial over sex trafficking charges this month. So already, even the Business Insider is asking the question, uh, did they not want to release this information because her trial's coming up and uh, there could be some severe implications here Six weeks, guys. Let's get the accusers out of the way, right? So that this way we can focus on uh, the trafficking, the enterprise, the business that these people were running uh, with the lives of other individuals. Uh, so let's go ahead and expand that just a little bit. So it says here, um, despite its original denial, the FAA inadvertently mailed Insider a portion of Epstein's flight records along correspondence from an unrelated FOIA request earlier this year. The records contain data on 2,300 flights among four private jets registered to Epstein between 1998 and 2020. Most of them had appeared in Insider's searchable database of well-known flights connected to Epstein. The new FAA records also reveal 704, okay, so it's 704, not 706, previously unknown flights taken by Epstein's planes. These include hundreds of trips from a three-year gap in the public record from 2013 to 2016 when the Jets' movements were unaccounted for. So they have hundreds of trips from a three-year gap in the public record between 13 and 16 when the Jets' movements were not counted for. Now, check this out. So this is all of the uh, jet activity, a la via, a la Jeffrey Epstein, right? This includes uh, two private jets, the Boeing 707, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, one other plane. But uh, let me see here. Let's take a look. Let's take a gander. So uh, 95-2019, now uh, in places of deep red, that's uh, more than 17 flights in that calendar month. Check out uh, 2000. Like he was pretty heavy at the beginning, 95, 96, pretty heavy. But check out 2001 to 2002. Look at how heavy this guy's movement is in, that, in those years. Keep in mind also that's what around uh, the September 11th terrorist attacks false flags, right? And then heavy movement in 03, again in 2005, pretty heavy movement, you know. Uh, light movement, 08 to 12, but 13 through 16 was that time that they were talking about where they have the most, I guess, unrecorded movements that are now public, that were once lost, but are now found. The new flight records do not include the names of passengers, but they may offer clues about the whereabouts of Epstein's close associates. Maxwell was a frequent passenger aboard the disgraced financier's jets. 
Epstein owned a Gulfstream 2 that he sold in November 2013, a Gulfstream 4 sold before his arrest, a Gulfstream GVSP, and a Boeing 727 named the Lolita Express, nicknamed, that notoriously ferried notable passengers and girls around the globe. Okay. According to flight manifests unsealed in a defamation case against Maxwell, travelers on Epstein's planes included public figures from President Donald Trump and Bill Clinton to the supermodel Naomi Campbell and the astronaut John Glenn. And we know that they are going to uh, actually take quite the bit of advantage here, ladies and gentlemen. And they're going to throw President Trump's name in here as much as possible. So you better, uh, you better get ready for that, guys, because uh, they're definitely going to include his name in any of these proceedings that they make public. Anything these people publish on the Ghislaine Maxwell trial will include President Trump's name. Believe it! Okay, let's see here. Now, here is an interesting illustration uh, now, if you can imagine a dark maroon being 17 plus flights and a light pink tile being like, yeah, two. Think about uh, how dark, how dark does one's marker have to be in order to <laughs> show you how heavy his flight patterns were. So it seems between uh, Palm Beach, Florida, New Mexico. Uh, we got Florida down here, Palm Beach, Florida, uh, New York and uh, wait, so Palm Beach, Florida. <laughs> wait, wait, is over here? Uh, Los Angeles, California. Sorry. Uh, of course, the Virgin Islands, and then New York. So these are the heaviest flight patterns. This is where he's doing his most business. And then, of course, you jump over here to London. Yeah, or Paris, France. Okay. So those are his. Uh, those are his criminal flight patterns. You know, if you're tracking the criminal this is their uh their supply chain right here runs up and down this uh area okay again these are uh flight patterns just discovered ladies and gentlemen in addition to filing in the three-year gap in the mid 2010s the faa flight records corroborate the flight records compiled by epstein's pilots and found through insider's analysis of, analysis of ADS-B data, they clarify start and end points that were ambiguous because of incomplete ADS-B data, which relies on availability of land-based receivers that pick up signals from aircraft overhead. Often, signals drop off in remote areas and over bodies of water. The data confirms that Epstein traveled to areas such as Cabo and Marrakesh, and frequented the U.S. Virgin Islands where his private island was. Two of Epstein's planes continued to travel after his arrest and subsequent death. His Gulfstream GVSP, the plane he flew on right before his arrest, was moved in early 2020 to Palm Beach, Florida, where it was later put on the market. His Gulfstream 4, bearing the tail number N120JE, is still registered to Epstein's former company, Jeej uh, LLC, an enterprise that a Georgia pilot quietly acquired in the weeks before Epstein's arrest in July 2019. The pilot sued Epstein's estate in federal court on October 20th, alleging that he hadn't been aware the jet was used in a criminal enterprise and that uh, the company had been damaged by the stigma connected to the sex offender. The newly obtained FAA records follow the travel patterns established by Insider's larger trove of Epstein flight data 
Epstein's jet flew most often between New York and Palm Beach, where his primary residence were, as well as to his estates in Paris, New Mexico, and the Virgin Islands. Okay, so there you go. It flew extravagantly over the last 24 years of his life. They traveled most prolifically in early uh, aughts, making 906 flights. More than a third of the flights compiled by Insider between 2001 and 2006. So that's, uh, that's pretty interesting information. Good to note. Um, and how is this going to affect the Ghislaine Maxwell trial? Will she be found to have been aboard those flights? Any of them, ladies and gentlemen? Well, it seems that uh, there's one last story in regards to the Epsteins that we have to share for you guys today. The Epsteins, the Maxwells, the, um, um, the human traffickers of the world, ladies and gentlemen. The Sea Report is 100% listener-supported. If you enjoy the broadcasting that we bring to you with The Sea Report and other shows on this podcasting platform, we ask that listeners lend their support. Become a monthly donor when you go to anchor.fm slash Report slash support or click on the support button over there at the anchor.fm slash the C report website where you can help sustain future episodes of the C report and other broadcasting on this podcast station. Every bit helps ladies and gentlemen. And as always, I thank you for your support. So the last uh, story we have for you guys on Ghislaine Maxwell and on Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, And like, you know, like I'm saying, some people are considering this kind of like a proxy trial for Jeffrey Epstein, which uh, could only work to Ghislaine Maxwell's defense. As she is uh, shaken in her boots there, I'm sure. Jeffrey Epstein said Ghislaine Maxwell is the best at what I need. New documentation coming out. Now, this is from November 11th, so this actually is not that long ago. What on earth are they talking about? And how is this going to affect the Ghislaine Maxwell trial, ladies and gentlemen? Inquiring minds want to know. Jeffrey Epstein's old conversations are coming back to haunt him. Ghislaine is the best at what I need, the alleged sex offender and pedophile says of socialite Ghislaine Maxwell in a never-before-heard recording. She's my best friend. She has been for a very long time. Those eerie words are just a taste of journalist Vicky Ward's previously off-the-record conversations with the disgraced billionaire who died by apparent suicide in prison in August 2019, Ward's revelations from years of reporting, as well as interviews with other key players in the Epstein and Maxwell saga, come to light in the new docuseries, Chasing Ghislaine. Chasing Ghislaine. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, the Chasing Ghislaine. Three-part, the three-part show debuts. Okay, so this is a commercial. Well done, publicist. Well done, publicist. There you go. There's Epstein and Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine. 
God, I need to get a publicist this good. Okay, so it says here, Maxwell, the former lover of Epstein and alleged sexual abuser, who was accused of sex trafficking of minors, reportedly delivered on all of Epstein's whims. She was arrested by the FBI in a remote New Hampshire hideout in July of 2020, facing multiple sex charges. Okay. But these records just coming out. Um, let's see here. Maxwell, a former lover of Epstein, etc. Let's see. Ward, a former New York Post writer, says she was one of the first reporters to investigate Epstein and admitted to knowing Maxwell socially over the years. Ghislaine Bay may be the key to unlocking Jeffrey Epstein's secret, she says in the trailer. Ward has hours of audio and footage of conversation with Epstein. Audio from a 2002 interview reveals Epstein threatening Ward. I don't know what you're writing, but if there's any implication of wrongdoing, I will take legal action against you personally. So she was threatened. She was threatened by him. A press release for the series details the depth of reporting. Ward reveals how this story began, exposing the mystery behind Epstein's wealth and influence and how Maxwell's alleged role within this conspiracy threatens a shadowy cabal of international elite and world leaders who might do anything to keep their identities and motives hidden. Much the same, ladies and gentlemen. We know about this stuff. We have the trailer. It shows uh, a pained Jennifer Areos who says she was raped. So we have another victim coming out here. Um, says she was raped when she was 15, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, there's Areos right there in that photo. Okay, so that's uh, some more stuff coming out, guys. Like... Uh, you know, if uh, they were just putting Ghislaine Maxwell on trial just so they could capitalize out of this storyline, man, they are doing a great job, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't you say? I would say so myself. <laughs> I would friggin' will say so myself, ladies and gentlemen. Hey, Texas gal, how you doing? And uh, good to see you, Khaleesi2020. And Sean Joe, hey, buddy, what's up? Thank you for gifting those cookies. Thank you for tossing those cookies. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, that's some pretty crazy stuff. We will let you guys know what's up with uh, the Glenn Maxwell trial. We'll have six weeks of this, guys. Just think about all of the great times that we're going to have together talking about the Glenn Maxwell trial. Now let's do a uh, quick update on this trial's uh, moving along pretty quickly, actually. The uh, Justice for Juicy trial. This one's only scheduled to take five business days. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, they're not going to spend too much time on this. They're going to figure out, uh, okay, uh, ladies and members of the jury, is uh, is the uh, is Obimbo gay or not? <laughs> what do you find, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, you guys are probably like, who the hell is Obim Obimbo? <laughs> Obimbo is one of the one of the uh, bodybuilders that uh you know jesse smoulier hired <laughs> he paid him 35 dollars for some sweet home loving ladies and gentlemen actually no if they can prove that uh you know um this juicy smoulier paid 3500 dollars just for obimbo to uh make sweet love down by the fire with him <laughs> then that would actually work against justice ladies and gentlemen because we need them to prove uh 
that uh, Juicy Smoulier paid them $3,500 to rough him up at 2 a.m. in the morning with a uh, Subway tuna fish sandwich in hand, ladies and gentlemen. That is exactly what we are talking about. Hey there, Jackie Blue. How you doing in uh, <laughs> pill.net, foxhole.appland? Thank you for gifting the shades. Thank you for covering this. You are most welcome. If you're talking about Juicy Smoulier or if you are talking about uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, well, you are welcome on both accounts or uh, whichever account suits your fancy, Jackie Blue. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, w well, we only have one article for this. For this, we will turn to the magical pages of Breitbart. Pictured here is Obimbo and Obule. <laughs> it's Bule and Bukufe. <laughs> Bule, Bouge. It's Bule and Bouge, Obimbos. Okay. <laughs> People are just be like, you are racist, Mr. C. <laughs> you called them Bule, Bouge. <laughs> Obimbo. Okay, I know that's not their name. It's not Obimbo, but it's pretty damn close, okay? <laughs> Chicago detective Jussie Juicy Smoulier scheduled meeting on the low. Okay, so Juicy Smoulier did schedule a meeting with Obimbo and Ubuje on the low. He paid for the supplies. I mean, we already have the receipts, guys. We looked at them yesterday, literally, and uh, held a dry run, okay? Because these guys are actors, all right? They're little, they're little Hollywood all-stars, so they have to have a, they have to have dress rehearsals, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> they have to have dress rehearsals, <laughs> What a, oh my goodness. He's like, guys, <laughs> he's like, he's like, Obimbo. <laughs> Wait, hold on. He's like, Obimbo, Obimbo, Obimbo. I need you to do this right, Obimbo. <laughs> do not pair away over here, Obimbo. You have to look masculine. <laughs> guys. <laughs> Oh my goodness, no. This <laughs> Which one do you think slept with him? Okay. <laughs> Cuz one of them did. It's in the it's in the deposition. Okay, so <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so it says uh Two brothers arrested for an alleged attack on Juicy Smoulier recounted for Chicago police how the ex-Empire or actor orchestrated the hoax, telling them via text message to meet him on the low, paying for supplies and holding a dry run. Oh, is that what you called that grinder meetup? Okay, you called it a dry run? In downtown Chicago, the leading investigator testified on Tuesday. Okay. I can't imagine how people cannot be capitalizing on how funny this case is. This case is so funny. Okay, taking the stand as prosecutors began their case against Smoulier. Former Chicago police detective Michael Tice said he initially viewed the actor as a victim of a homophobic and racist attack. And that police absolutely did uh, absolutely didn't rush to judgment as Smoulier, uh, as his defense attorney alleged during the opening statement on Monday. Uh, Tice said roughly two dozen 
two dozen detectives clocked some 3,000 hours on what the, they thought was a horrible hate crime in January of 2019. He said they were excited when they were able to track the movements of two suspected attackers using surveillance video and cell phone and rideshare records. The crime was a hate crime, a horrible hate crime, Tice said, noting Smoulier, who is black and gay and French, reported that his attackers put a noose around his neck and poured bleach on him. He said the case had become national and international news and that everybody from the mayor on down wanted to know what happened, a reference to then-Mayor Rahm Emanuel. You guys all remember Matt Ron Emanuel. If you want to talk about an obozo butt buddy, there is nothing like it with Ron Emanuel. Now, uh, the article goes on to say Smoulier is charged with felony disorder conduct. Okay, we know that. It says here, after police arrested Abimbola and Alobingo Osundero, I told you I was close. I told you I was close. Abimbolo and Ola Bingo. <laughs> Sorry, Osundero. One of them slept with him. Okay, was it Ambimbola or was it Ola Bingo? And uh, do I care too much? Do I care at all? Brothers who also worked on the Empire set. So not only did these guys come from Nigeria, not only were they French, Nigerian, and gay. Not only were they his body border, body builders. Not only were they his... Uh, personal trainers. They also worked for the Empire show. Okay. Uh, it says, as they returned to Chicago from Nigeria, the men said Smoulier wanted to stage the attack because he was unhappy about how the TV studio handled hate mail the actor had received. So I guess the studio was supposed to be like, uh, uh, Juicy Smoulier is under attack. Juicy Smoulier is under attack. And uh, we demand that Congress act on this hate mail. They are probably like, we demand that Congress pass the anti-lynching bill because Juicy Smoulier received a hate mail letter in a uh, magazine cut out um, <laughs> serial killer style with a five-year-old drawing of a gun. Um, that, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so he's like, well, we got, we've got to stage something, guys. We got to do it, said Juicy Smoulier. We have got to do it. Jurors were shown a surveillance video of the brothers buying the supplies, including a red hat they told police Smoulier wanted them to wear to resemble supporters of then-President Donald Trump, according to this article. And a piece of clothesline later fashioned into a noose. Jurors also saw a still image from a video that Tice had showed Smoulier returning home the night of the alleged attack with the clothesline draped around his shoulders. The clothesline was wrapped around his neck when officers arrived, Tice said, leading detectives to believe that Smoulier may have retied it. <laughs> what a loser! He was like, I have to show them... I have to, I can't damage the scene of the crime. Okay, he's like, I have to leave it on here as evidence. Okay, so they know that they did this. I can't just hand it to them. Uh, at the end of the investigation, we determined that the alleged hate crime was actually a staged event. Tice said, and the Osundero brothers were released. Defense attorney, 
Uh, Nenye Uche said during opening statements late Monday that Smoulier is a real victim and that the brothers attacked Smoulier because they didn't like him because of who he is, right? That's right, ladies and gentlemen. It is the year 2021 and is it is all about your the countenance of your character. So clearly they uh, did not like him for who he was. He was probably, uh, probably a prima donna. He probably treated people bad. He probably talked smack to them. He probably looked down, down at people. And they attacked him because they didn't like who he was. They didn't like the kind of attitude he had. They didn't like his character. It's not about racism, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about that character. Ah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that they would not like that analysis, right, of that statement to be true, okay? You know, that would totally uh, destroy everything that they stand for, these uh, race-baiting propagandists, okay? So uh, let's, let's finish up this story here. Let, let's see what happens. This is a five-day trial, guys, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to be done in a blink of an eye, okay? So it's already the third day. <laughs> <clears throat> it says here, Uche also sought to discredit the police investigation, suggesting detectives ignored possible leads. And he said a $3,500 check the actor paid the brothers was for personal training so he could prepare for an upcoming music video, not for carrying out the hoax, as prosecutors claim. Ty said Tuesday that the memo on the check said it was for nutrition and training. The brothers will take the witness stand during the trial, but it's unknown if Smoulier will testify. Uche has portrayed uh, the siblings as unreliable and said when police searched their home, they found heroin and guns. That was not verified, Uche. Okay, and clearly these guys are not reliable. If you hire them to uh, put on a uh, hate crime hoax and then they go and tell on you... <laughs> I would agree that they're not reliable either. I'd be like, yeah, not those two guys are narcs, okay? <laughs> they're rats. They're not to be trusted. That's what I would say. <laughs> I would have to agree with Uche on that one. <laughs> Good job, Uche. You, my friend, your uh, analysis of character is so spot on. Okay, <laughs> let's finish this thing. Let's finish this sucker. Uche also suggested that a third attacker was involved. One area resident said she saw a white man with a reddish brown hair who appeared to be waiting for someone that night. According to police reports, she told a detective that when the man turned away from her, she could see hanging out from underneath his jacket what appeared to be a rope. Okay, so when I first read that allegation there, ladies and gentlemen, my thought was, uh, clearly she saw, you know, Obimbo and ODJ Dingo uh, at two in the morning, uh, and they had to have white face paint on because uh, they're wearing hoodies and the red hat and a scarf over their mouth. Right, because uh, COVID and <laughs> COVID hadn't, COVID wasn't a thing just yet, guys. When this happened, <laughs> but um, you know, uh, that's my thought. But now my thought is, if this is in fact a third person, as this woman would have us believe, then she can tell you know investigators where she was standing in downtown uh, Chicago at two a.m. on you know the one of the coldest 
nights in uh, January, the last day of January. It was like January 29th, right? So uh, what? where was she standing? And then they can go back and look at those cameras and they can identify her. And they can identify this white man with reddish-brown hair turning away, thusly revealing a perfectly formed clothesline noose beneath his pants, okay? Ready to, ready to toss upon the neck of an, neck of an unsuspecting gay black French actor named Juicy Smoulier, who just wanted a six-inch tuna sandwich, no pun intended, at two in the morning, okay? On foot. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna do one better on old Jared. I'm going to walk to that store at two in the morning. Okay. All right. That's so believable, guys. It is so believable. You just got to believe it. (laughs) I believe this like I believe that uh, Juicy Smoulier knows how to act or cry because he's terrible at it. Uh, But you have 12 jurors plus two alternates for this uh, case here. It's expected to last five days, five business days. You know, just enough to take, uh, what, what trial will we have next week? Do you guys think, you know, that will be all, Ooh, look, there's Obimbo and Obindo and, and, uh, Obozo. (laughs) Oh my goodness. No, I believe this trial is not being, uh, televised either. Ladies and gentlemen, not being televised. Boo, right? Big old boo. We want our court TV back, ladies and gentlemen. We want our court TV back. All right. Okay. Let's see what we got next. (laughs) Bimbo bingo. Uh, Yeah. Oh, I don't know about that. Okay. (laughs) Punky keister. Bimbo bingo. They're in my bingo book. That's for dang sure. Okay. And actually they were, they were in Juicy Smoulier's bingo book, apparently. (laughs) So, uh, that is that ladies and gentlemen, Uh, we're not going to touch that with a 10 foot bingo pole. Okay. All right. Uh, let's see here. What else do we got? Uh, yes, there was a shooting again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, happening this time, Oxford community high school, Oxford high school. What is going on here, right? One would have to wonder. This actually happened in Michigan, ladies and gentlemen, uh, where apparently we had uh, another senseless act of violence happening, okay? And uh, why Michigan? You know, I don't know. I tend to, uh, you know, you know me, I tend to think, you know, a little, uh, a little theoristically, (laughs) to put it in a, Put it in a certain way. Not not that I'm laughing at this story. There's nothing to laugh about with this story. This is a sad story, guys. We're going to have to cover this. Uh, Michigan teen charged in Oxford High School shooting. Okay, so uh, this is this just happened, guys. Today. Let's see what uh, the article has to say about this, guys. So we can kind of... Uh, piece through some of the uh, details. Authorities say a 15-year-old boy charged in a shooting at a Michigan high school recorded video night before the violence in which he discussed killing students. Uh, Michigan teen charged in Oxford high school shoots uh, shootings. Okay, so that's just the... Uh, okay. 
Um, a 15-year-old boy was charged with murder and terrorism for a shooting that killed four fellow students and injured others at a Michigan high school. Authorities said Wednesday, revealing that his parents were summoned just a few hours before the bloodshed. No motive was offered by Oakland County authorities a day after violence at Oxford High School, roughly 30 miles north of Detroit. But prosecutor <clears throat> Karen McDonald said the shooting was premeditated, based in part on a mountain of digital evidence collected by the police. This was uh, not just an impulsive act, McDonald said. Oakland County Sheriff's uh, Lieutenant Tim Willis said during a court hearing for Ethan Crumbly that the boy recorded video the night before violence in which he discussed shooting and killing students. Terrible, guys. The re revelation was made by Oakland County Sheriff's Lieutenant Tim Willis during a court hearing for Ethan Crumbly. Willis made the comments shortly before Crumbly was to be arraigned on charges of murder, attempted murder, terrorism-causing death, and gun crimes. He is charged as an adult. It wasn't immediately known if he had an attorney who could, who could would comment. Sheriff Mike Bichard told reporters that Crumbly's parents were called to the school Tuesday for behavior in the classroom that was concerning. The teen remained in school, and the shooting occurred a few hours later. Bichard didn't offer details about what had troubled school officials, he said investigators believe the gun was already in school. There's nothing that he could have faced that would warrant senseless, absolutely brutal violence on other kids, the sheriff said. The shooting should be a wake-up call. Okay, so here they are pushing their uh, gun uh, gun laws. Should be a wake-up call for new gun laws in the country. Okay. Uh, again, we have to do better, etc. Now, uh, keep in mind that... Uh, Let's see here. Let me remember. Karen McDonald, the prosecutor. Okay, so the prosecutor is already attacking gun laws in this uh, case here. She's going to use this case to grandstand about gun laws, probably in court. Okay. Uh, so no bueno on that front. Uh, she said that the terrorism charges also fits. So uh, if there's terrorism charges landed here, guys, then uh, they clearly have evidence of some sort of political uh, will uh, enacted in all of this. I guess we'll have to see what that's all about. Uh, what about all the children who ran screaming, hiding under desks? Those are victims, too, and so are the families, and so is the community, McDonald said. Deputies rushed to the school around lunchtime Tuesday and arrested... Oh, so this happened yesterday. I apologize. Tuesday and arrested Crumbly in a hallway. Within minutes of the shooting, his father bought the 9mm Sig Sauer, uh, Sauer gun last week, according to the sheriff. McDonald said charges were being considered against the parents. Owning a gun means securing it properly and locking it and keeping the ammunition separate. She said, ah, here comes another gun law. We're going to charge parents who don't lock their gun up or something. Isn't that already law? <laughs> <coughs> the four students who were killed were identified as 16-year-old Tate Meyer, 14-year-old Hannah St. Juliana, 17-year-old Madison Baldwin, and 17-year-old Justin Schilling. After the attack, authorities learned of social media posts about threats of a shooting at the roughly 1,700 uh, school, student school 
The sheriff stressed how crucial it is for such tips to be sent to authorities, which also cautioning against spreading, while also cautioning against spreading social media rumors before a full investigation. Isabel Flores, a 15-year-old ninth grader, told Detroit television station WJBK that she and other students heard gunshots and saw another student bleeding from the face. They then ran from the area through the rear of the school. A concerned parent, Robin Redding, said her son, 12th grader Trishon Bryant, stayed home Tuesday after hearing threats of a possible shooting. This couldn't be just random, she said. Bryant said he had heard vague threats for a long time now about plans for a shooting. At a vigil Tuesday night at Lake Point Community Church, Leanne Dursa choked back tears as she hugged friends and neighbors. Dursa has lived nearly all of her 73 years in Oxford. Her grandchildren attended the high school. Scared us all something terrible. It's awful, Dursa said, of the shooting. Pastor Jesse Holt said, News of the shooting flooded into him and his wife, including texts from some of the 20 to 25 students who are among the 400-member congregation. Some were very scared, under their desks hiding and texting us. We're safe, we're okay. We heard gunshots, but we're okay. So uh, that is terrifying, ladies and gentlemen. That is terrifying. <clears throat> so that is uh, that is something that happened yesterday. Okay, so we'll see. I mean, Michigan, guys. I mean, uh, my mind goes towards, like I said earlier, with my uh, healthy, my healthy amount of paranoia, my uh, theorist mentality, my uh, propensity to ask the question. Right? <clears throat> uh, you know, I think about uh, some of the things that are going down in Michigan. You know, they've got a lot of stuff on the line there. The deep staters, you know, as far as uh, keeping themselves out of prison, when we're talking about uh, election fraud that occurred in Michigan, when we're talking about the uh, entire COVID nursing home death scandal that uh, <clears throat> they are constantly trying to cover up. We have this type of thing happening in uh, Michigan, a tragedy at a local high school. Like it says in this uh, tweet here. Uh, this is one of the victims. Uh, it is with great grief that one of the victims of the tragic event at OHS today was one of our own Tate Meyer. Tate was on a varsity, was on varsity since his freshman year and was an honor student. Tate was a great young man with a bright future and beloved by all. You will be missed, Tate. So indeed, you know, our condolences to the family of Michigan. We'll see what happens, ladies and gentlemen. We will absolutely see uh, what what pans out out of this this event that this you know obviously senseless event in uh, Michigan that uh, sees uh, dead students and uh, sees gun violence. See, oh, man, you know, do we even know? Well, I guess we'll figure it out. We will most definitely figure that out, ladies and gentlemen. Well, here we are now. At the end of another C report. Wow, we seem to kind of fly through the C report today. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Thanks for hanging out. We uh, we're on at seven p.m. this evening, uh, and uh, yeah, just bringing you a couple new stories. We'll be back again tomorrow, of course. Uh, since we are a little ahead of schedule, I am going to jump to the chat room real quick again. Thank you all uh, who sent over gold pill donations. Uh, we accept donations via Cash App, via PayPal, and via Gold Pill. 
If you are over on foxhole.app or pill.net, that's just a, uh, I, I don't, we're not even set up for donations on D, I don't even, I don't even know about DLive, but uh, thank you all for the donations over at foxhole and at pill.net tonight. Good to see you all again in the house, Texas Gal, Rail Anon, Khaleesi, Sean Joe, uh, Belushi was there for a minute. Uh, let's see who else we got in here real quick before we go. Uh, let's see. Jackie Blue. Oh, yes, we had Jackie Blue in the house. Again, thank you for the shades. Uh, let's see here. Will this also bring in Camel Toe? Can't make this stuff up. Okay, Camel Toe. All right. Love your laugh, Jackie Blue. Thank you so much. Wanna bet who sent that letter? <laughs> I guess we'd have to, uh, review that one. Uh, retired it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this is, uh, you know... It's ridiculous, guys. It's ridiculous. You know, they have all the evidence on the uh, Juicy Smoulier case. I just don't understand how they think they can get away with it. I don't understand, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, actually, you know, there is one thing that we could do here, here and now, ladies and gentlemen. We don't have to bid adieu tonight just yet. Yeah, we maybe we could do this. Uh, we did. Uh, we do have some President Trump interviews. I don't know if you guys are aware um, we could play one right now, actually, if you guys don't want to go just yet, we'll, uh, hold you over for another 20 minutes. How about that? I think that'll be a good thing to do. We haven't played a good President Trump interview here in, uh, a little bit, right? Yeah, why don't we do that? I was thinking about doing a, uh, Trump interview watch party anyways. But now here's the question. Do we want to hear a conversation with Nigel Farage? Do we want to hear a conversation with Mark Levin? Or do we want to hear a conversation with uh, Wayne Allen Root? I will let you all decide, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, cast your vote now. Wayne Allen Root, Nigel Farage, or Mark Levin. We'll let you guys decide. While you do that, don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, if you've been enjoying the Sea Report and everything that we have to offer you, go ahead and check out thecereport.com, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and you can get all the up-to-the-date information on the Sea Report there. And uh, we also have replays that we're starting to play there a bit more frequently as we build our video, uh, our episode guide over there at the .com. <clears throat> you know, we also have, a, like tonight, we are actually on YouTube as well. So, you know, we have a backup page that we're working on over there. And, uh, you know, we also recently opened a uh, an Instagram and a Twitter for the C-Report. Just to have a little bit of fun, ladies and gentlemen. Just to have a little bit of fun. Uh, and uh, let's see here. Anchor.fm slash the C-Report, ladies and gentlemen. Make sure you check out our podcast. Now, that is a podcast version of this very show. And uh, we'll have our podcast up momentarily after the show today so that this way you can check out today's stories. Of course, today we focused on Ghislaine, Ghislaine, Ghislaine Maxwell. We focused on Juicy Smoulier. So uh, that, is, uh, that, was, uh, that was some fun stuff right there. And uh, But yes, you can subscribe to our podcast for free on your favorite podcast platform. And uh, ladies and gentlemen... You won't miss an episode. Uh, it seems that uh, the audience is going wild in the chat room <laughs> in response to who we're going to listen to today. 
Uh, let me see here. What do we got? What do we got? What do we got? I see you peeps. What you guys saying? Okay, we're going to go back up just a little bit. Come on now. There we go. Let's see. Shepherding Shepherd is in the house. Good evening. <laughs> uh, we also have Tam Grell. Hey, sweetie. How you doing? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cloud Watcher. Good evening. Good to see you, Cloud Watcher. Sean Joe, thank you again for the cookie. Jackie Blue says, uh, and just like that, the Wisconsin vehicular homicides and drive overs of more humans disappears. Oh, dang. I didn't even think about that, Jackie Blue. Yeah. Yeah. They're not even talking about uh, Waukesha anymore. That is, or Waukesha, whatever you want to call it. Let's see here. That is a good point. <laughs> okay, so in, in regards to... Oh, Tem Grell, thank you for uh, gifting the can. Forgive my tardiness. Oh, don't you even, girl. You good. Have a good evening, Cloud Watcher, as well. Two Rivers is now in the house. All right. We will discern the truth. God bless, patriots. God bless at Mr. C's words. Thank you, Shepherding Shepherd. All right, 123SKG, Punky, Custer, Cloud Watcher. Uh, we got votes for Levin. Jackie Blue, Texas Gal, Levin, Sean Joe Farage. Tam Grell wants to hear all three of them. <laughs> Mark Levin, Mark Levin. Nigel Farage coming from Loving Nature. Shepherding Shepherd says three. Jackie Blue says yes, all three. <laughs> hey, Whiskey Blue, what's up, buddy? Yeah, for all, the Farage one is brand new, ladies and gentlemen. The Farage one is brand new. Uh, but... We are uh, we are going to go by uh, we're going to go by the most popular one. Okay, so the most requested interview would be the Levin interview, uh, which means guess what, guys? We will actually uh, play the uh, Nigel Farage at another time. Uh, maybe we'll do a watch party because you know there's several uh, President Trump interviews that we haven't actually got to share with you guys here on the C report. Kind of what I was thinking of doing with that is instead of having a 20 or 30 minute interview that takes up most of the time, we'll do watch parties on those instead. Uh, so there's actually, we can do, we can do a three President Trump interview watch party guys. Uh, and we will do, uh, the Nigel Farage. We will do the Wayne Allen Root. And uh, we could sit through a Hannity, right? We'll sit through a Hannity interview. I'm pretty sure we could do that. All right, so let's do this one then. Actually, let me go ahead and make sure we got good sound rolling for you guys. And uh, let me make sure that they don't have a... Oh, yeah, they don't, ladies and gentlemen. They, in fact, do not have a commercial that plays at the head of this, uh, head of this one. Okay, so uh, let's get this going, guys. This should be fun. Now, this, this interview is not as fresh as the Nigel Farage uh, interview. We will give him that because that, uh, that is honest. Uh, this is November 22nd. All right. So if you guys have seen this already, you voted for it. Too bad. <laughs> this is what America wanted to hear, and this is what America shall hear. All right. Let's get this baby rolling. We'll see you guys on the other side, and I will be hanging out. So don't go far. Here we go.
Here we go. <laughs> Let's see if this thing plays. Let's see if this thing plays. Okay. She's doing something. Okay. No, we're going to wait. Joy to the world, ladies and gentlemen. Maybe we weren't meant to listen to this one tonight. That's what it's kind of sounding like. Let me, uh, well, we're going to do this. For those of you joining us over at the podcast, <laughs> we are losing all sorts of power over here at the Sea Report, just as we are about to uh, watch this Mark Levin interview. Okay. The, oh, here we go. Things are things are looking up again. You see this little device right no, here? No, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Let me go ahead and uh, mute that. Joy to the world, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. I think we got it this time. <laughs> Everyone say, reclaiming my time. <laughs> Uh, Tam Growl, there's only one new one, girl. <laughs> These are all new because we haven't played them here, okay? Alright. <laughs> the Farage one is a little frustrating, okay, ladies and gentlemen? I'm not gonna lie to you. Nigel Farage is sounding like all kinds of green. Like, he's sounding like he's new. Like, when he's interviewing President Trump, I don't know. I like Nigel Farage. He's one of my favorites. He's one of my heroes, right? But uh, since he got his own little uh, TV show over there on the BBC, uh, he doesn't seem uh, to ask uh, the right questions. He doesn't seem to have that insight that you would expect a man who, uh, who uh, parachuted into... <laughs> Who parachuted into what? Bilderberg 2013 <laughs> or wherever it is that he parachuted into. Okay, enough about that. Let's go ahead and get this going, guys. Or we're going to go into severe overtime. Goodness, this Mark Levin interview is just all types of sabotage. <laughs> Someone's like, you should have played Farage. Why are you playing Mark Levin? <laughs> I'm, you know, I'm, I'm almost inclined just to play the Farage one. Because <laughs> this is just not working. Okay. Yeah, you see, 123SKG says, based Amy said, he has been disappointing. I'm like, some of the things that I'm picking up from Farage is that he's, uh, is that he is, yeah, you know, he's, he's kind of being disappointed. Do you guys want to see disappointing? Okay, we'll do, we'll, okay, you guys are like, <laughs> make up your mind, Mr. C. We'll do a watch party of three old President Trump interviews, okay? 
All right, since we're talking about Farage and how disappointing he has been, right, we will watch the Nigel Farage interview, okay? All of you all are going to be like, if you had just decided to do the Nigel Farage instead to begin with, <laughs> we wouldn't be in this situation now, Mr. C. <clears throat> to which I say, I apologize. I'm sorry, okay? I'm sorry. <laughs> Where is it? Okay, it's here somewhere. Hold on. Oh, Lord. Okay, I'm all, oh, Lord. Look at all of these. Okay, is it this one? No, it's not that one. Go away. Okay, is it this one? Yeah, this is it. Okay. Where are you at? Did you open? Did it open, though? You guys are hilarious. Thank you for hanging out with me while we do this. Okay, did it open? I don't know. Where are you? So clearly, clearly just none of this is supposed to happen. <laughs> How? What is this? Okay, no, we don't need that. Okay. Oh, sorry about the dead air for those of you who are on the podcast side of this uh, show here. Uh, let me see here. Book of our gunfire, New Zealand, trims it down with. It's like totally vanished. It's not that one. It's got to be this one. Oh, nope, not that one. Not that one. Okay, okay, okay. I got it, guys. I got it. Don't worry. Nice about him, but he's... he's oh, quiet down, Nigel. <laughs> okay, it's not your turn yet. Okay, here we go, guys. All right, so this that's what we're going to do. That's what, that is what has been decided. Okay, that is what has been decided. Okay. All right, ladies and gentlemen, are you ready? This is the moment you've been waiting for. Yeah, my computer might have gone to South Africa. It's gotten the moronic variant. It has gotten the moronic variant. Okay, so... <laughs> oh, my goodness. You guys are too much. Here we go, guys. From the moment in 2015 when he announced he was going to run to become US President, Donald Trump has been in world news. He's dominated world news every day for five years all over the world. It was Donald Trump has said this. Donald Trump is alleged to have said that and what other people said about him. 
Yet something very odd has happened. Since the beginning of this year, outside the United States, he's virtually disappeared. Has he been silenced? Is it voluntary? What is going on? Well, today, we're going to find out. We're going to break that. And the first big fight of the world that Donald Trump has done. This is Trump Speaks to the World with me, Nigel Farage, here on GB News. Good to see you. Well, I didn't know I was so quiet, but uh, if you say so, that's okay with me. Yeah, and I wonder, is that because of social media to a very, very large extent? I don't know. I mean, I have not heard that, but it's possibly so. I have a lot of things to say, and sometimes I want to say them, and sometimes I don't feel it's appropriate to say them based on the position. Uh, we had a great election. We ended up, uh, it was a rigged election, unfortunately. We got more votes than any sitting president in history by far, 75 million votes, more than 12 million what that we had from the previous election, which was about 63 million votes. Uh, I think we've, uh, we've said a lot about a lot of things, and certainly there's a lot to talk about if you look at what's going on and uh, Afghanistan with the oh, yeah. withdrawal, which was, I think, the most embarrassing moment in the history of our country. And you look at our borders, what's happening with our borders. You look at the cost of energy. We were energy independent and we no longer are. You look at so many different things. You and I could talk all day. Yeah. And it's a shame what's happened to the United States. But we've not heard you through, I guess, through Twitter. Um, it was, was for you, you know, something that you used to massive effect. Oh, Jack Dorsey is being removed as uh, CEO of Twitter because of shareholder pressure, but whether that means they'll improve uh, as a channel or not. I mean, I was amazed the day that the Taliban, you mentioned Afghanistan a moment ago, the day the Taliban took over. Embarrassing Kabul, moment in the history of I did of put out a message that you said look at our borders, it seemed ridiculous that their leadership borders, was still active on Twitter. cost of energy, we were energy independent. Well, they and were we no wrong in what are. they did. We so many we're dealing with the United States president, who's obviously a popular president from based on everything that you see, and, and uh, them and Facebook, and I think they made a big mistake. I think if they had it to do over again, they wouldn't be doing it. Uh, we are... Uh, you know, we get the voice out. We have to do it. We have a, an obligation to do that. But he's leaving. I guess it was probably enforced because they're down. And also, there's no excitement on Twitter anymore, as I understand. There used to be well, a lot I of excitement. Not only me, conservative well, people are, are leaving and being canceled. So they're canceled. They're leaving. And in my case, you know, we used to get tremendous interaction with liberals and uh, and everybody else. And now they just say it's a very boring place to be, Twitter. It's going down. The numbers are going way down. No, they are. On the election, as you say, you've got 11 million votes more than you got in 2016. Because we know what happened. You know, 29th of February last year, I was with you backstage at CPAC. And, and I thought, he's going to win 40 states. I mean, things were looking terrific. The pandemic hit. And then you, you kind of got criticized from both sides. Biden said you were xenophobic because you closed the borders. You, you said, we don't want foreign air travel. We don't want this virus being brought in. Uh, the other side said you didn't lock down hard enough. I mean, difficult in a pandemic to win as a president, as a leader. But the real effect, of course, was for the first time ever in America, tens of millions of ballots being sent out yep. through the mail system. And well, they use COVID or the China virus, as I call it, uh, to rob and rig and steal an election. And they sent out millions and millions of ballots. Nobody knows where they went in so many cases. And it was a disgrace. And everybody knows it. You look at even polls now, a big percentage of our country knows it. And it's very bad for democracy. Very, very bad for The democracy. problem was in so many of these states, because they'd never seen it before, 
kind of what they did in, in, in collecting the votes wasn't against the law, and that was part of the problem. Well, but they didn't get it approved in many cases by legislatures, and you have to, so therefore it is against the law. It uh, wasn't approved by state legislatures. You know, you can't do it even through a court. You can't do it. It has to go through the legislature. And the legislatures didn't approve this stuff. And the courts didn't have the courage to take it up. And so it's uh, an interesting situation. But no, we'll see how it all ends up. It's I mean, a lot of Americans, as you rightly say, a lot of Americans are genuinely concerned about election integrity. And I have to tell you, from my experience back in the UK, Mass postal voting, you know, leads to the wrong results very often. Absolutely. Automatically, by the way. It's a bad system. They cheat. It's, it's a automatic. Bad I mean, they put everybody on their millions of people on the honor system. Now there's tremendous cheating with that. And, you know, they've done uh, studies on it. Everybody knows it. Every study comes out. You can't do it through the mail. You can't do it. These mail-in ballots are, a disaster. whether it's your country, whether yeah. it's the USA, it's, uh, it's here's an the open invitation to cheat. But here's the problem. I've seen some pretty extensive private polling that suggests that up to 20% of your potential voters and supporters feel so demotivated by the message that it's been rigged, that it's not fair, that it's not just, that in Georgia, for example, in that special election, you know, which was the one that tipped the balance in the Senate, there were a number that perhaps didn't go out to vote who would have done because they felt disgusted with the whole system. Well, they felt the election was rigged, the preceding election, which was the presidential election. And then when they had a vote a couple of months later, they really did lose their enthusiasm. And frankly, rightfully so. They they had no, the governor of Georgia did a terrible job, like just terrible having to do with election integrity. And yeah, they felt they, uh, they were, an election was rigged and stolen. And I would say they didn't have the, uh, the enthusiasm to go out and vote. And I understand that. Now, one other thing, Mitch McConnell did a terrible job because this guy's talking about $600 giving during this troubled time, giving, and they're talking about $2,000. You don't win elections that way. Now, right or wrong, you just don't win elections that way. So Mitch McConnell was a disaster. And I think that really they did get a lot of votes, but a lot of people were discouraged. There's no question. Yeah, I'm sure of that. So looking ahead, you know, from here, yeah. is the message to look back at November 2020 and to condemn and criticize much of what happened? Yeah. Or is the message to look forward and try and make sure that that, that, that weakness in the system can't exist again? I think it's both. I think it has to be both. We have a base in Alabama, as an example, I had 69,000 people recently show up. Wherever I go, we get, I think I'm getting bigger crowds now at the rallies. And you know the rallies because yeah, you've been to plenty yeah, of them. Yeah. I have the biggest crowds I've ever had. And I think it has to be both because if you don't study what took place and do something about it, if possible, I think they're going to do something about it. I don't view that as a foregone conclusion. If you don't look back, you really can't look to the future. But I think it's really a combination of both and very strong to the future. But also it's very strong looking back. People don't want that to happen again. No, and voter ID. I mean, for example, voter ID is very. There's an overwhelming majority, and it's not just Republican voters or Democrat voters who think voter ID makes sense. We've got to have free and fair. Right. If we didn't have the, as an example, if we didn't have what happened in 2020, all of these legislatures and all of these people that are meeting and passing voter ID now would have never happened. So you know, looking back is okay. 
You have to look both ways, but you can't forget about what happened. And if you did, you wouldn't have all of the things that are happening now happen. And there's some very exciting things. But one of the big things is voter ID. And you have to stop the mail-in voting. The mail-in voting is is just uh, ripe for fraud. And that's what it was. Well, I'm keen to look at this conversation. One last point about the past. 6th of January, which is something that your opponents gleefully seized upon, particularly, uh, you know, the social media giants on the West Coast and everybody else. And I know that you were willfully misquoted in terms of what you'd said that day. In in many different ways. No, no, you were saying go in peace, and I understand that, and I get that. Looking back on the 6th of January, was it a mistake to have had that rally on that day? Well, you know, I didn't have... That was a rally that was there, and if you look, it was a massive rally with hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. I think it was the largest crowd I've ever spoken before. And the real... And I, I reverse it. The insurrection took place on November 3rd. That was election day. And before and after. That was, to me, the insurrection. And the January 6th was a protest. But if you would have looked at the crowds, the size, nobody wants to talk about that. I believe it was the biggest and most people, I, and I've spoken to very big crowds. I have never spoken in front of a crowd that size. Nobody ever talks sure. about that. And then, unfortunately, some bad things happened. But also, uh, the other side had some very bad things happen. And, and add this. I offered 10,000 and suggested 10,000 National Guardsmen. We want the National Guard to be there, 10,000, or even the military, because I knew the crowd was going to be massive, because I knew the, the anger that took place over the election being rigged. And I understood that. I understood it better than anybody. And Pelosi and these people turned it down. We would have had tremendous security, but they turned and it down. And that would have stopped people going in. Oh, that would have, that well, it would have stopped any problem. Absolutely. They turned it down. Also, as you know, the uh, police, I guess they say, were not uh, given proper instructions by Capitol Hill, which is Pelosi. They were given some very bad instructions. So if you look at what happened and go back and mm. really study it, they were so angered and so upset. And so, they, I mean, people crying. They were so angered by it. Now, if you lost the election, people don't act that way. But they knew that we won the election and they went there. But to me, the real insurrection, if you look at it, took place on election day. Now, either way, we've got Biden and Harris in office and they've got plummeting poll ratings and we've got a border crisis, as you quite rightly said, uh, law and order, um, the Black Lives Matter movement, which is now becoming increasingly I think political, don't you? It's well, not- it's shocking that it started off, uh, you know, with pigs in a blanket, right? You know that, right? Yeah, yeah. You know the expression, fry them like bacon. And they were, I was about our police, our great police. And all of a sudden this becomes mainstream. I don't really think so. And uh, Antifa, bad, very bad. And they had Antifa in that rally. They had Antifa leading a lot of people on that day on January and I will say that uh, it's pretty incredible that nothing happens to them. But the other side, this has been going on for many years. So they're the not just side, about they're not just about racial equality, then. Well, I think they're about politics, but I think they're about a lot of other things. If you go back to their, their original founding and what they were saying, kill the police. What they're saying is kill the police, I know. and that becomes mainstream. Not good. No, not good. We've seen specimens of it, of course, over in the UK, and we've yeah. seen. Churchill's statue defaced and all of these yeah. things. Well, you saw Churchill's uh, 
beautiful bus being removed from the White House. When I got there, I said, send it back. They called, would you like to have the bust of Winston Churchill, a great one, right? Yep. Even you would say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I said, I absolutely want it explained. And as you know, President Obama, I believe, sent it back. He didn't want it. And I said, Let's bring it no, back. No, well, Joe Biden, got rid, Joe Biden got rid of it on the first day. Which oh, says, did he? Oh, yeah, 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 I, yeah. No, no, no. Which is why, I'm of course, surprised. there's been no advancement with trade deals and all the rest I of mean, it. I mean, why would you do that with Winston Churchill and you're trying to get along with your country and you send It's such a, a token, but such an important token. No, I had it back for my entire time. It was there. I looked. Yeah. He was a very handsome man. <laughs> He's a very brave man, too. But Biden, G7, Biden turns up at the G7. And this was before he let everybody down in Afghanistan, and, and, and which, which leaves us wondering, where is America in the world now? I mean, we've got big threats, haven't we? We've got a lot of Russian troops on the Ukrainian border. Yep. We've got China, uh, ever more bellicose in their statements about Taiwan. We've got Iran. I mean, can you believe it? Negotiations are going on this week with Iran, and the, Israeli, and, and the Israelis are very, very scared. Where is America in the world right now? I think it's at the lowest point it's ever been at. I don't think it's ever been in a position like this. We're not respected anymore. I will tell you, there were no planes flying over Taiwan. And the, the name wasn't even mentioned. You didn't talk about Taiwan when I was president. It wasn't going to happen, what they're doing now. And they'll wait till after the Olympics, I assume. And perhaps something will happen. But it's not good if you're there and you have bombers flying over your, your country constantly, which is constant. Uh, with Russia, we had no problem. I had no problem with, you didn't mention North Korea, Kim Jong-un. No, no, when you crossed the line and you... <laughs> I, I got along with him, great. I got along with him almost as well as... I Little Rocket Man, you called it. I did. Then we became very friendly, like did you. He, sort of like you. He forgave, he forgave you. But you know, the truth, we, we didn't have a problem. And now you've got a problem with them, too. You didn't mention that one. And, and yeah. honestly, that's a big problem because he does have serious nuclear power. And, uh, and many other things. Uh, if you take a look at energy independence, we're energy independent. Mm. First time ever. And now we are going and begging for oil. We're going back begging for oil, we go to Saudi Arabia, we go to Russia, OPEC, we go and say, please give us oil. We had so much oil, we didn't know what to do with it. A gallon of gasoline was 187 when I left. Now it's going to be $7.50 in California. Yeah. And no, the no, no, big no. thing is going to be inflation because the inflation, and it's hitting you too. It hits yeah, everybody yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. But the inflation is at a level Maybe that we've we haven't seen for I guess 40, 50 years. Forty years. It's a big problem. Years. And yet the strange thing is Boris Johnson, and you've always been very generous yeah. about Boris Johnson. And you, and you wanted to see the agony of Brexit not being completed. We wanted to see that got over the line, and it was. And yet Boris Johnson seems to have bonded with Joe Biden over wind energy, yeah. over net zero, over COP twenty six in the most extraordinary way. What do you make of these promises for net zero? Well, I think wind is, I think it's ridiculous. And I think wind is a horrible thing for Scotland. And I got to see it because I own great properties in Scotland and Ireland. And I look at these magnificent fields with these horrible windmills all over them. And windmills is a nice term, I guess turbines. And they're starting to rust because once they're there for a couple of years, they start to rust and wear out and look terrible, look even worse. And I'm looking at it and... 
you know, you're talking about a place that really has a lot of energy in so many different ways. You have a lot of hydro, but you have a lot of energy. And when I look at all of these things that need subsidy, because they don't work without subsidy, they need subsidy. And what so many countries, not just your country, not just UK, UK, it's all over the place. You fly over, I'm saying, what a shame what they've done. Well, and you know that environmentalists are liking this stuff. I think they... I think they hate the world. Boris says we're going to be the Saudi Arabia of wind, which is well, all well and good when the wind blows. I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame. I'm in Aberdeen. They built this ugly wind farm in the ocean. It's so disgusting to look at it. It's uh, it's a shame. Uh, I built one of the most beautiful, one of the greatest golf courses. It's been so reviewed in the world. And now you look at, you know, not very far off. You know, when these things are 20 and 30 stories tall, they're monsters. They can be a far out and they're not far out. They're right on top of you. Now, I think it's a shame what's happened in uh, in Scotland, in UK, it, all over the place. You take a look. I think Ireland's been better about it. If you want to know the truth, they've been tougher. But so, And other countries are getting tougher. But wind is the most expensive form of energy. And remember, every 10 years, you have to replace those monsters. And a lot of times they don't bother. You know what they do? They just let them rot. They kill all the birds. No, but Boris they are is so bad. But Boris is he's hooked well, he's on wrong. this. Boris is wrong. If he's if he's going heavy into wind, I mean, you're telling me. But if he's going heavy into wind, he is. He's wrong. He's yeah, making he a big is. mistake. He is. You've always been nice about him, but he's he's. No, I like him. I like him. I get along with him. I've always gotten along with him. Uh, he's gone a little bit on the uh, more liberal side, but I'll tell you, with energy, I'm surprised that he would allow that to happen because you have one of the most beautiful countries in the world. And you're destroying it with all these wind turbines all over the place. Yeah, well, I and have you don't to say, need them. I have to say, I'm not a great fan of them. And net zero, what does net zero mean? I mean, you know, if the Biden administration, if the Democrats were to stay in for the next twenty or thirty years, what would that mean for the American? Well, I think economy? the carbon taxes that they want to put on countries and people and companies, I think it's ridiculous. And uh, look, we have, in our case, liquid gold. They're taking it away from us by not letting us use it. It's liquid gold. And natural gas is very clean. It works out very well. But you have clean coal, even. But you have, we have resources in the US that are incredible. And the enemy is making us feel badly about it and taking it away, putting our companies at a big disadvantage. We were at a position the likes of which we've never seen just a year ago. And now people can't get gasoline for their car. Or if they do, they have to pay so much. It's, a, it's very sad. Now, in your country, which I do know something about, I own Turnberry. I own great properties in your country. Yeah. I mean, just great properties. I love it. I love your people. I love everything about it. I got along great with Boris. But I see what they're doing, and I think they're making it tremendous mistake. You also got on well with the Queen. You really enjoyed it. You really enjoyed it. I that, think she's you? a fantastic woman. She is a fantastic woman. Uh, I was supposed to spend like a half an hour with her. I ended up being there for much more than an hour. And everyone said, oh, that's so rude. But I said, no, but she liked it and I liked it. I'm not going to be rude. And we had a great time together. We then had a, an evening, the likes of which you rarely would see. And I think she really, she was laughing and smiling. We got along great. We talked the whole night. She is a great, wonderful woman. Yeah, well, she's been there nearly 70 years now on the throne. Yeah, it's she's incredible. Doing... And she's still head of state in Canada or Australia. I mean, it's unbelievable. And respected by everyone. Yeah. And no scandal, no anything. Think of it. She's done this for more than 70 I years. Know. And she's never had 
scandal about herself. No, no scandal, no anything. She's an incredible woman. No, and she had a very tough year. You know, she lost her husband she this did. year. Tough year. You know, they were married over 70 years right. and she's been ill. She's, you know, had to withdraw from one or two public engagements. Hopefully not very ill, though. I've been watching it closely because I love her. I think she's great. You know, my mother was born in Scotland. My mother loved, she came over here at about 19 years old, met my father. They were married for many, many years. They were married like they had a great marriage. But she left Scotland. She'd go back once a year religiously. But she was really somebody that respected the queen. She loved the queen. Anything with the queen. When they were doing anything ceremonial, as an example, she'd be glued to the television. But she had great respect and love for the queen. Well, and hundreds of millions around the world. That's true. Respect this That's woman. True. I mean, in the most astonishing way. And, I, and, I, and I, I know your enthusiasm for it. Yet her son, Charles, who would be the natural successor, and uh, you had a meeting with Charles. And it I did. Was, it was reported by one of your former press secretaries that you were somewhat bored by the meeting. That I was? Yeah. No, but, I wasn't bored. I liked Charles. I thought he was great. No, he's an environmentalist. He talked about the environment most of the meeting which was fine. I mean, I understood that was the purpose of the meeting and he was telling me his views. I was not bored at all. No, I think Charles is a wonderful person. Okay. Now, I, somebody you may not think is quite as wonderful is a recent British export to America. Uh, and I think we're kind of quite pleased to have got rid of him really, is Prince Harry, of course. Yeah. And Meghan living over here, uh, being not only disobliging uh, about you at every given opportunity, but actually the entirety of the conservative movement um, and now we hear that she's ringing up senators, ringing up members of Congress, uh, lobbying for law changes, and doing some of this on headed paper that says the Duchess yeah. of Sussex. And, and we saw that we saw the Oprah Winfrey interview, and it turned out later a lot of what she said simply just wasn't true. Yeah. Should she go into American politics? I'm not a fan of hers. I wasn't from day one. I think Harry has been used horribly. I think someday he will regret it. You know, a lot of people are saying I'm very good at the prediction business. I think someday he will regret it. He probably does already. <laughs> but I'm not a fan of hers at all. And I think she's very disrespectful to the queen that we just spoke about, yeah. who's such a great woman, who's such a great person, a historic person. I think she's very disrespectful to the royal family, uh, but maybe most importantly to the queen. And I, I just... Uh, from day one. I never got it. I never got it. I see her. I listen to her. She's trying to do things that I think are inappropriate, very inappropriate. But I think Harry's been used and been used terribly. It's ruined his relationship with his family. Completely. And it's really, really, I think, uh, I think it hurts the queen. Yeah. And you can't use a royal title and get involved. Well, in I didn't know she affairs. was doing that. But well, I know she has been doing it. It's yeah. not appropriate. And let's finish off back here in America. Uh, big victory, uh, Youngkin, big victory the yeah. other week. Uh, Virginia, you know, he won uh, that race, won it very, very comfortably to be the governor. Um, and what was interesting, I thought, was he was actually getting votes in northern Virginia. And he was getting votes very much on just ordinary parents living in suburbia right. that don't want their kids taught critical race. That's theory. true. They're not believers. Don't want their kids to be told America's rubbish. Right. You know, you did well with your base. Phenomenal. I've never seen support like it. You did well with the black community. And by the way, Yunkin, who's a very good man, did very well with my base. 
And I did a tele-town hall call, had massive numbers of people on that call get out and vote. And my base got out and voted for him. And that was a great victory for the Republican Party. And we have many other great victories that night. You know, we we swept the land. We had tremendous success. They were big it's, results. It's really great. Things are happening. Things are happening. You got those. You got the black vote up significantly for the Republicans. Right. That was a big achievement. I did. You had a problem in suburbia. Suburban voters were a bit reluctant. Maybe they found. See, I don't believe that. I think I did very well there. And and the other thing, okay. I did great with Hispanics. You know, the Hispanic vote yeah. for me is legendary. The numbers. Nobody's ever seen anything like it. A report came out literally an hour ago, talking about how well I've done with the Hispanic vote a number that nobody's ever had before as a Republican, a number that's really game-changing. It's a, it's a, you know, they're great people. Yeah, and, and, and yet they, of course, who've come legally to yeah, America, that's right. just as we have a border crisis, we've got these little boats crossing the English Channel. Yeah, right. You've got the southern border crisis. I was down in Arizona in May looking at it. I couldn't believe the scale of it. How big a political issue? Because in, in the UK, our border issue is becoming the number one political issue. How big is it here? So I got elected in 2016 because of the border and other things. And in 2020, I didn't talk about the border. You know why? Because I did such a good job. It was no longer an issue. But still, I got many more votes. So, you know, I guess it wasn't as important. Now it's the biggest issue again. Yeah. But now it's worse than it ever was in the history of our country. We never had a problem like we have now with the border. I did the best job. We had the best border situation in the history of our country, just like I created the best economy in the history of our country. But we had the best border, and now we have, a year later, the worst border. Millions of people are coming in unvetted, unchecked. It's a disgrace what's happened. It's a very big issue. Yeah, but it is for us too. Should we stop the boats coming across the English Channel in our case? Let me work about the uh, bar. How about if I just work on... You solve this border out first. Let, it me is. Solve, let me solve this problem. It is. So here you are at Mar-a-Lago. Magnificent place. You've got your family around you. You've had so many great things you've done in your life. You know, business, real estate, television. You've been the 45th president of the United States. And yet from day one, they made your life hell the Russia hoax, a whole load of conspiracies, yeah. untruths. You know, I saw you during some of that going through it. They put you through impeachments, uh, mainstream two, two media. Two fake impeachments, Russia, 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 which now turned out to be a total hoax. Yep. And everybody knows it. And they should take away the Pulitzer Prizes from writers that knowingly, in most cases, were writing about fiction. It was pure fiction. Yeah. Turned out. And Hunter Biden can do what he likes and no one cares. And we know all that. Why would a man who's got all the things that you've got. Maybe your best question. Why would a man who's got all the things you've got, great family, wonderful life, you're fit, you're looking fit, why on earth would he consider going back into that hell again? So I love our country. I brought the country to a level it's never seen before. Then we had COVID come in, and then I brought it back, came up with vaccines that you're using, we're all using, the world is using, saved tens of millions of people throughout the world in less than nine months. It was supposed to take 12 years. Just heard the other day, they were expecting it to take 12 years. And everyone said it wasn't going to work. And they work incredibly well. We've done an amazing job. If you love the country, you have no choice. It's not a question. It's just, this is a wonderful, beautiful life. But I like that too, because I was helping people. That's why I did it. And uh, 
I think you'll be happy in the future too, because that'll be your next question, but you'll be happy in the future. I well, I know you can't answer that question because it would start the campaign clock ticking, right. but we've got the midterms coming up in less than a year. Are you going to be out on the campaign? Yes, trial? I will. I'll be helping a lot of people. We've been endorsing candidates. I'm 152 and two. My endorsement, 152 wins yep. and two losses. Okay. And those two losses were actually by people that were, the people that won were more Trump than I was, okay? So they won. <laughs> but what happened is, uh, every, what's happening is everybody wants the endorsement has become very important. The most important and the most powerful endorsement that our country has seen. And so I have an obligation to make sure the right people get in. And we have many, many people online. Actually, when I leave here, Right now, yep. I've got four candidates that want an endorsement. It's a very important job because we're going to have a big, I think we're going to have a very big 22, and I think we're going to have an even bigger 24. Donald Trump, thank, thank you. you for joining us on GB News. Thank you very much. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Well, there you have it. That is uh, one President Trump interview down. I hope you guys enjoyed that. It was a pretty good interview, right? Uh, we know, uh, characteristically speaking, Nigel Farage as a good guy. He has been a uh, Brexit supporter. He's railed against the European Union. He's done a lot of things. He's also a blessed man. Kind of strange interview, though, when, you know, you got him, you know, buttering up the queen so much and uh, asking these questions that are so vague that they almost elicit belief in the mainstream, lamestream, fake news legacy media's propaganda lies about election fraud. You know, he's like, well, uh, you know, uh, uh, do you really still believe in this election fraud? Nevertheless, you know, Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are in the uh, White House right now. So, yeah, I mean, it seems like he's uh, he's kind of walking on eggshells on that topic, just like Newsmask, who outright denies anything having to deal with election fraud. Uh, and they make their claims of not seeing any evidence, not not the producers, not the owner, not the reporters, not the anchors at Newsmask. They've never heard of any election fraud and they have never seen any evidence. Don't forget it. That way uh, they don't get into any legal issues. And that's just how we know that they are a mask for the real news. That is Newsmask. And this Nigel Farage, you know, I'm not used to him being so uh, so tethered, I guess you could say. Uh, but I guess uh, having your own network television show will do that to you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll do a watch party. It'll be the Trump Interviews 3 that would be uh, the most recent dated Trump interviews. We'll do that soon with you guys. Uh, we will be back tomorrow for all types of shenanigans here at Mr. C TV, the Mr. C channel, and the C Report. Thank you all again for hanging out. Thank you all to uh, those who sent in donations tonight to the show. You guys are amazing and awesome and far generous. So thank you so much for that. I appreciate the support. Again, don't forget to check us out at our podcast, anchor.fm slash The C Report. Ladies and gentlemen, we'll have tonight's episode uploaded promptly. And uh, yeah, I think that just about wraps it up. We'll see you guys again tomorrow. Till then, as always, be, uh, be safe and be blessed. And God bless America. We will see you tomorrow.